Welcome to Dr. Jeffrey Ross, Looking Good and Feeling Great podcast, live from Las Vegas, with his co-host, Daryl Craig Harris. Hi, folks. It's Dr. Jeffrey Roth, your board-certified plastic surgeon in Las Vegas, Nevada, and we're at it again. I know this is episode a lot. I actually don't. We should. I need to find out what number this is. Actually, it seems like we've done quite a few. I know we're on our we're on our third season, I believe. Third season. So, uh, so it's very exciting. And, and a big thanks out to people that are actually downloading us and listening uh, to us. And we really appreciate that. Uh, and if you have something you want to hear us talk about. Uh, let us know, and because uh, we're happy to go ahead and, and try to educate and or maybe entertain, maybe. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but do let us know, and, and we'll cover it. Absolutely. And um, we'd actually like to give a shout-out to to uh, Music Tribes in France, which is our production company. Yay. Yay. Nigel's a good guy, and Alex, our engineer here, who's been rocking it. Um, we definitely appreciate it. Um, so today we're going to talk about liposuction, and not only liposuction, but there's a lot that goes into that subject, and also cool sculpting. It all kind of gets blended together. So, so yeah, we talk about a few things. We, and we've talked about this a little bit before, about how do you approach the abdomen, right? We'll talk about abdomen and then we'll talk about other places. So the abdomen, uh, again, my head works least invasive to most invasive, right? So first is diet and exercise. How boring, I know. But but I, I say that all the time. If you don't need me, I'm not offended, right? So diet and exercise is always the best. Uh, then comes cool sculpting, which we have in the office, which we like in as much as it freezes the fat cells, fat cells die, and you get you can get a 25% reduction, which is nice, especially if you're just sitting there watching TV. Then there's liposuction, which we'll cover in a second, and then there's the abdominoplasty, which, again, we've covered before. Um, and so those are the kind of modalities. Those are the tools in the toolbox I have to approach the uh, abdomen. Now, liposuction is interesting because where you have fat, you can most often have liposuction. Uh, so liposuction, uh, again, it's been around for a long time. And uh, we, plastic surgeons, uh, have used it to uh, contour um, everything from, uh, from necks uh, to uh, chest, especially with gynecomastia, the man boobs, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to the abdomens, to the flanks, to the upper back. Um, to sometimes calves, uh, sometimes knees, that's difficult, um, and to forearms. Also, sometimes if somebody had a reconstructed procedure and we've taken tissue from one area and put on another area, sometimes it kind of looks like a little bit of a big potato, but it's okay um, because it's covering what you need to cover and it reconstructed what you need to cover. But sometimes you can go back using liposuction as a tool and kind of thin it out a little bit and make it a little bit more aesthetically presentable. So, Again, liposuction is a tool in the toolbox that you have. Now, there are certain different types of liposuction as well. Now, if you get online, and some of the older websites may, might say, oh, we use the new Timnesson solution. Well, it's not new. We've, we all use it, and it's been around for a long, long time. And what is that? Yeah, so Timnesson solution is uh, either lactated ringers or normal saline, which is the same stuff you put in the IV, right? To that, we also add... Um, Lidocaine, which cuts down on pain, and epinephrine, which cuts down on uh, bruising. So when we're going to go ahead and go into an area, say, hey, I don't like that area, let's liposuction. Then we make a couple of incisions and we instill this temnescent solution within it. Okay. And then we wait a couple of minutes. And then we go ahead and take the cannula, which we've all seen on YouTube and TV and all that kind of stuff. And we go ahead and we suck out the temnescent solution along with uh, the fat. And we go ahead and give ourselves a nice contour and then we make sure that it looks pretty good. And then we go ahead and sew up the holes, et cetera, et cetera. And then we can get into a 
debate, and, and we plastic surgeons do this at meetings, of how much do you put in with a tenescent solution versus how much do you take out? And there's wet, super wet techniques, and we all argue about it and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, it's one of those things we argue about. Right. But having said that, that's kind of what most guys and gals do nowadays for uh, liposuction. Uh, you have to, for me, you have to wear the compression garment six weeks around the clock and then an additional four weeks halftime. And that's important because you have the skin layer and then you have the muscle layer and between that's the fat, right? So you go ahead and you suck out the fat, which is great. And you want that skin to really adhere to the muscle layer underneath, right? So that's why you have the compression garment uh, to do that because you don't want fluid in there and get lumpies and bumpies. And so that's why we do that. Also, people tend to really like the compression garment. I know it sounds like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's going to wear Spanx. But basically is, um, yeah, even my you know, cops and my firemen, especially when they go back on the job or my folks that go back in the gym, they like wearing it. It gives them support. My cops and my firemen, when they come in and get their liposuction done, typically they'll wear under their uniform for about three months because those guys are always pushing or dragging or pulling or you know doing something yeah. active. And we should say that because liposuction is not only for women. No, we have a lot of fellas uh, that uh, that um, uh, that come in and, and do that because these guys are active. They're running full court basketball. They're killing it at the gym, but then they have you know the genetic fat problem right? areas. Right. right. They have the love handles and guys. They have the saddlebags and women. And you can you know do as much Jane Fonda you know as you as you can. <laughs> Uh, it, but that's genetic fat. And so that I can, plastic surgeons can help you out with that. And what we really kind of like about liposuction in that regard is folks come in, uh, they get their stuff done and they now look better in a, in a leotard and now they'll go to Zumba class and, and, and do their thing. So usually they come back at about a year cause we see people at least a year, um, and, uh, they look great. And, uh, right. and now the common questions of liposuction, can it come back in the same uh, place it was well yes if you eat ho-hos on the couch you know it, it can come back well the same it, actually the same with the uh the fat surgery i mean you can if you want to sure. eat constantly you yep. can sure right. you can you can get that back yeah. uh and so, then too sometimes it'll go into the b fat basically what i call the genetic b fat where oh we're not going to put it in the stomach anymore ah we're, let's go ahead and put it in the love handles so so the answer is just don't eat hoes on the couch, but <laughs> one, and but two is, but that's usually not an issue because if folks have invested that much time and energy and resources in it, they usually will uh, go ahead and, and, and look after it. At least that's been our thankful experience. Mm. Um, but there's some criteria also that we use to judge and see if somebody is a good candidate for it or not, right? So, because what happens is you don't want, you know, somebody who's, you know, 500 pounds uh, per se to come in and go, hey, doc you know, make me 120 pounds. Okay. That, that's, right. that, that's not going to happen. Yeah. You have to set up realistic, right. Realistic yeah. expectations, sure. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so we, folks over, uh, men over 40, women over 45, for us, we typically have them uh, get a, a consultation with their family practice doctor, internal medicine doctor, or cardiologist, if they have one to go ahead and stratify their risk. Okay. So that's, uh, so that's fine. Uh, some of the things that we use in-house are, you know, are they healthy enough? Can they walk up two flights of stairs? Sure. Uh, are they on medicines like Plavix, which is a blood thinner, et cetera, et cetera. So do, you don't do want to smoke. Do right. Uh, Smoking is a big thing, especially with right. facelifts, uh, breast lifts, tummy tucks, things that are on tension. Uh, so yeah, those, those are all screening things. Are they on ibuprofen or aspirin? Are they on, uh, uh, you know, vitamin E, vitamin A? So, so there's fish oil. There's lots of things that uh, can make things safer or less safe, depending on what you have going on. And some of them, um, the tobacco use and stuff, some people are like, okay, well, fine, I'll quit, which is great. 
Okay. Uh, some folks say, okay, well, I'll give up my fish oil for two weeks before and two weeks afterwards. Okay, great. Um, and so that, that usually we make it, we make that work. Mm. One of the things that we talk about, you and I've talked about is BMI, uh, body mass index. Right. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of misconceptions about what there is. It's a, it's a bit controversial. Uh, and then, and then I came out of, well, history, we can, we can do PowerPoint for an hour, but basically there was the metropolitan life tables that basically were published long, long ago. Uh, and if you look at those, everybody's overweight, right? As, as far as height to, to, uh, weight ratios. So, so that's number one. Number two is, 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 um, the national Institute of health and some other folks have come up with some tables that are kind of more realistic. The other thing too is, as you and I were talking about at the break, is, is there are, are some guys that are in the gym all the time and they're, you know, uh, there's solid muscle. There's right? just solid muscle, right? right. There's sh shoulders into a 28 inch waist. And, and these guys sometimes, you know, if you just go by height versus weight, you know, the short guys that are just ripped, uh, you know, they have 8% body fat, but they're ripped technically, yeah, they're overweight, but they're just, you know, right. they're, they're just, you know, specimens or Donna's. Is that the, the BMI? Is that um, like, is there a um, US based BMI versus Asia? That's a great question. So it's, it's usually, I've always kind of wondered. It's about. usually based out of the United States. A lot of the medical literature is. And so sometimes you have to kind of look at it with a bit of a jaundiced eye when you, again, you talk about right. the Asian population or Hispanic population. Okay. So, um, um, so yeah, there, there are some differences, but BMI is kind of more of a screener per se than anything else. And, and anybody can go ahead and look. It's as easy as, you know, uh, plug it into your phone or, or looking up online. Right. Um, so, th so that's, that's number one. How we use it is, is more of a screening device, number one. And then two, why it's important. Again, we talk about risk gratification and those folks that have a higher BMI tend to have higher anesthetic issues and especially okay. in an outpatient surgery Might have some setting. breathing breathing issues right so uh, are they on a CPAP machine at home do they have sleep apnea do they have other respiratory issues etc cetera, etc cetera. so that's that's like the big thing if you talk to the anesthesiologist and I was just talking to my anesthesiologist uh, yesterday in the OR about this very subject uh, and so it's a screener but then you have to go ahead and actually like anything else individualized to take a look at the patient. Sure. The other thing that's really interesting is there's more and more literature to show that the higher the BMI, uh, the worse the result is. And what I mean by that is uh, the risk of, let's say, your wound opening up in a tummy tuck, which is on by definition on tension, uh, the higher the BMI you have, the more likely that might um, have a complication might open. Uh, because it's pop, on pop tension. Or... It's, on, it's on tension uh, and fat does not um, carry as much blood supply as, as say skin or muscle or bone or, mm. or that, that sort of thing. And again, it's all about blood supply. It's all about trying to take tension off the wound to try to get a good, um, result. So, so yeah, there's a few screeners we have, uh, for, uh, for those things, but by and large, again, you have to take a look at the, the patient and see what works in your toolbox for that particular patient and then educate the patient. And because some folks will say, Oh yeah, I just wanted 25% you know, off of some people like, no doc, take every cell that you can. Right. Uh, some folks that say, oh, you got to repair my rectus muscles. So it just really sort of depends on like anything else on the patient. But mm. that's why it's important to go ahead and see a doc, uh, you know, board certified plastic surgeon that, uh, that has been trained in this and has experience in this and knows what they're doing and can give you a good consult. Right. What's the difference between visceral fat and subcutaneous fat? Right. So that's actually another key issue on the physical exam. So if I'm looking at an abdomen and 
and basically the fat that I can pinch, you know, pinch an inch, mm-hmm. the fat that you can, you can pinch, you can do something about it. You as a plasterer, you can do about it, right? So you can liposuction out, you can freeze it, you can cut it out with, um, with the tummy tuck. Now, what's interesting is the visceral fat or intra-abdominal fat. What's a, a viscera is uh, your organs, right? It's your small bowel, it's your liver. Okay, so, and there's some fat that's kind of on the uh, inside that surrounds those things. Right. There's fat everywhere. You go to anatomy class for the first time in medical school, you're like, man, there's fat everywhere. So, especially in the United States. So, oh, so, uh, yeah, that's a whole nother <laughs> that's story. That's another story. So, yeah, it's yeah. a whole nother story. But, um, uh, so visceral fat. So, so there's fat on the inside. There's also this layer of fat, which is just behind the, the, uh, abdominal muscles, right? So let's back up a little anatomy. First there's skin, right? Okay. Then there's a layer of fat. That's the pinchable fat that you can do something about. Then there's muscles, right? There's the rectus muscles and the external obliques, you know, your six, your rectus is your six pack, right? Uh, and then you have another layer of fat and then you have a layer of, uh, it's called viscera, which is tough stuff. You can actually, uh, uh, so too. Uh, so yeah, so, yeah, so you have that layer of fat and then you have the visceral fat too. So you have intraabdominal fat, then you have a uh, visceral fat. Uh, fascia is the word I was looking for that you can actually sew to. Okay. So what happens is, is the outside fat, the fat that's outside the muscles, I as a plastic surgeon can do something about the stuff that's on the inside of the muscles, the visceral fat, the intraabdominal fat, I can't get to, right? Cause I can't get right. through the muscles of the abdomen. Uh, the abdomen and not get into the liver or spleen or and that, that fat's related to that. lifestyle and genetics right, and, and genetics. Right. So I don't know. And most of our listeners may not know this guy, but, um, uh, iron Sheik. I don't know if you guys remember. He was very strong man. He was, you know, the bad guy was WWF or WWE wrestler, right? Wrestler, yeah. right? So strong guy. So anyways, and he had a six pack, right? So I don't know if they drew it on, but anyway, a six pack and very strong man, but he had this protruding abdomen. He liked this beer belly thing. And I'm like, and it took me medical school and it took me to go to a conference after plastic surgery to figure out what he had. I'm like, oh, how come this guy is so ripped and so strong? Right, but he saw some protruding. The reason why is, is he was a beer drinking guy um. and he, all his fat was the visceral and intra-abdominal fat. That's where he genetically stored it. Interesting. So he was as a rock and he would throw guys or he'd throw Hulk Hogan around and all right. that kind of stuff and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, but he had that protuberance and that's exactly what we're talking about. So people come into me and they go, hey, doc, I want to be washboard flat, but they have this visceral fat. I'm like, you know, you can't, can't really do, can't do yeah. that. I said, I hate to be the guy to tell you, but this is diet and exercise. And it's, you know, it's a big fat bummer because people want to be f- fat. I want to be flat. Uh, not fat, uh, and uh, you can't get there even with the technology that we have mm-hmm. because of where that particular fat is. Well, and going to that subject, actually, um, so you have your mommy makeovers, your tummy tucks, and I've actually, I was there for one of those surgeries, and and part of what we had talked about was when, when ladies have babies, those muscles mm-hmm. um, stretch, and, and I, I don't know the technical term, sure. but part of what you can do is you can actually sew those together, right? Yeah, so we're yeah, describing is what's called a diastasis recti, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is uh, rectus, recti muscles, diastasis means spread apart, right? Yeah. So- what we do is called application, which means put them back together again, right? right. Now, we, we don't go into the bowel or anything else. We go ahead and we make, uh, we take a bite uh, with the uh, suture of the fascia, which is that tough stuff I, I talked about, right. that envelops these muscles, and then we put things back together again. And, uh, and the gals who've had babies really like that. It's kind of like having an internal corset because these gals are doing all these 
Because it kind of sit enables, enables them to get a flatter tummy yeah. after post-pregnancy. Sure. And, and you can look at this stuff on the website. But basically, mm-hmm. the folks that are doing all of these sit-ups, but they still have this kind of bulge and bulge. It's not a it's not a hernia. It's just basically that your muscles have moved apart. We also see this in men uh, as well, mm-hmm. as, as surprising as that may be, uh, especially the guys that have lost... 7,800 pounds right. uh, and for gaining, losing weight, gaining weight. And that in of itself has spread the rectus muscles apart. And so we're able to put that together, give these folks an internal corset. That's interesting. And okay. they really like that. And then they go to um, class and they're, do, and they're doing leg lifts or, or, and they're doing sit-ups and they're not bulging out uh, like they sure. were before. So they, they, they dig that. Yeah, that's great. Um, I know you do a lot with cool sculpting and that's actually one of the trending things that you see a lot online, social media. Um, Tell me, and you're actually, what's the term? Because you're actually a preferred pr- a provider for cool sculpting. Oh, sure. Yeah, they, they, they make up some. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> somebody, you know, every so often somebody somebody goes ahead and says, oh, you're the, the thing or you're a double dime or whatever. But right. uh, but yeah, we've had this for a long time since right. the inception. Uh, basically, we were the, the third uh, plastic surgeon, I guess, in town. Uh, and now there's like 31 of them. Mm. Uh, that, that have and I, I should say, I've actually done that. Yep. We, we experimented, experimented on me and I, I, you know, I enjoyed it. And it was, what's great about that is it's not invasive because right. a, a lot of people have heard the term, but they don't make Maybe they don't know exactly what's involved in, in having that yep. done. Yeah. So cool sculpting is really interesting. And in as much as it was uh, developed by uh, a couple guys at Harvard, of course it was, uh, in as much as, and it was actually based in Britain. What they found was two things. What they found is these kids that had these uh, cold popsicles uh, and they had cold popsicles and they were losing fat in their cheeks because the popsicles were weird. And then the equestrians, these females that were in sub-freezing temperature because it's England and they were on saddles and they were, they were losing fat in their inner thighs. So that was interesting. interesting. So, so they went ahead and they talked to a couple guys uh, at Harvard uh, that worked on a lot of lasers and they said, oh, hey, come up with it. So what it is, is basically it's a machine that you go ahead and they're, hey, I don't like this particular part, and we measure things up. And you put the part that you don't like next to this big old suction cup. You press a button, the suction cup sucks the fat into that little suction cup. And then you press a second button, and it gets really cold, 40 degrees centigrade. The fat cells don't like that. Uh, the fat cells die. Uh, and then you get basically a 25, you can get up to a 25% uh, reduction. So, for example, my dad is a great. Um, example, he's you know, 85 years old. He's uh, still very fit for a guy his age. He walks every day. He's but, a but, character. But, I love but, uh, and he's that too. <laughs> drives me cruel to death. You know, free to good home. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> kidding. And um, But he had the love handles. He didn't like those. So we went ahead and we zapped him a couple times and he loved it. Now, again, here's a guy, 85 years old. He's got four stents. He's not an operative candidate, et cetera, et cetera. But hey, this is something we do. It's, even a, good, the, it's a great option. And, and right. the opposite side is even the fittest of the fit. Some of these IBFF uh, gals that come in that are doing uh, the bikini competition or the um, um, the physique competitions, mm-hmm. and they're they're dieting themselves down and they're clobbering but themselves. But they have this little problem area. They got a little problem area and they don't want to stop training. And they don't want scars. Right. So they come in and we kind of zap that area and uh, they tend to like that. So again, depends on the patient and really what they, what they want and need. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so there's more modalities out there than there ever has been. And there's now, there's a ton of modalities uh, for 
that sort of thing. And there's some of them are based on heat, some are based on cold, some are based on radio frequency, some are based on uh, laser. Uh, there are other uh, machines that stimulate the muscles, and it's like doing 10,000 sit-ups, et cetera, right. et cetera. So, uh, so there's all sorts of things it's always changing, out there right? now, and it's always changing. Yeah. So, so again, it's a matter of uh, really seeing if it makes sense scientifically and then mm-hmm. seeing if it fits in your practice as to uh, can you help patients with it. Yeah, I think, I mean, the thing I liked about it, again, is like the non-invasive aspect. And I definitely noticed the difference. We did my love handles. And you have two machines, which is awesome. Yes. So, yeah, we were the first to have dual sculpting. Dual uh, sculpting. That's, that was our claim to fame for for a while there. And so, yeah. And um, so, yeah, so we're, we're able to get people done uh, faster, which was really kind of nice. So. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, something else we wanted to talk about, we were chatting about this the other day, was um, eyelid surgery. Mm-hmm. And I'll let you say the word because I, I won't be able to pronounce it. Yes, blood, blood <laughs> Plasty, so eyelid, eyelid surgery, yes. Right. So how common is that? Because I, I know it's basically, I know a lot of people, they they have maybe discussed a facelift, but that's maybe that they don't need that, but they really want to solve the issues with their eyes. Sure. So um, how does that, um, how common is that? Are you, are you doing a lot of those these days? Yes, or? it's very common. Blepho- Zoom, Zoom probably plays a part. Yes. Well, well, well <laughs> we were talking a about couple, Yeah, Zoom uh, has, has, yeah, has. Video uh, conferencing. Has fueled, yes, uh, video conferencing. Because people are staring at themselves for eight hours. Right, like, exactly. Yeah, I don't like that. I have the same issue. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's number one. And then two, wearing masks also. Uh, people right. are like looking at eyes and going, well, I'm not sure. If yeah, I, you know. it brings all the focus right to your own. So, um, so yeah, actually, I think it's a very nice operation for those folks. That, usually 40s, 50s. Uh, females come in a little bit sooner because they wear makeup and they start banging their uh, mm. makeup into the lids or having to, to crank the lids back to get the makeup on. Men right. come in about 10, typically 10 years later because they can't see the golf ball anymore after they hit it. <laughs> That's the way it goes. Right. So having said that, uh, so there's upper uh, upper and lower blepharoplasty. Uppers are obviously the upper lids. Uh, and I think it's a really good operation because I think it can really freshen somebody up, especially if they have big, bright eyes. But now you have extra skin, which is kind of crowding things. You can't really sure. see them. can't see the peepers, right? So basically, is, is, uh, it, it, for me, it's going ahead and, and taking the curtains, which have kind of fallen down, and kind of putting them back up where they're supposed to be, et cetera. And it's, and it's nice because you really don't change the person per se that much. Right. But we, we've all seen them. the overdone. Right. right. As long as you keep them warm and friendly and stuff, um, and the allies, you don't go crazy. But, um, but yeah, I think it can really freshen somebody up and people really kind of go, man, you look great, but mm, I'm not sure why. Yeah, right. That's just perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> you know, exactly. that's, that's the Holy grail in my mind in plastic surgery. So, so the upper lids, basically you take the skin off, you have a couple fat packets, go uh, pockets, you go after the uh, fat pockets. And another nice thing about blepharoplasty eyelid surgery for a, from a plastic surgery standpoint is, is where you hide the, the incision because everybody's got a natural crease where this little muscle called the levator palpebrae is like a little hook and it goes ahead and pulls your uh, eyelid up. So basically it's because that's where the crease is. And so basically you uh, hide that line right in that crease. Plastic surgeons, we still make scars, incision lines, but we try to hide them. Right. Always trying to minimize. Stuff, right? So uh, so it's really, that's kind of nice because that fades and it usually goes right into a crease and that's terrific. Uh, lower lids are a little bit more interesting because you don't want things to kind of drop down and get this thing called a uh, atropian. So that's a bummer. But so what we do is what we do, um, a pinch blepharoplasty, which was made famous by Dr. Lauren Rosenfield, who was a professor of mine up at UCSF. Shout out to him. And what you do is, is you, you take a pinch of the lower lid 
and just to, and sometimes you can take a centimeter depending on how much skin people have but you pinch it and so you know that that's the amount that you're supposed to take so you don't have more tension on the wound right, right? so the, the so the so the skin is kissing each other and so you know there's no tension now what i also do and again it depends on the patient is if they have lower uh, lid fat then we do what's called a transconjunctival approach and what that means is is you, you pull down the lids like you're you know, like you're scaring the girls in third grade, okay? <laughs> and and you go in that way. There's they call the conjunctiva, and you go in and you can take the the mm -hmm. fat out that way. I like doing that because that kind of leaves the uh, the muscle uh, like a a wall. Now again, it depends on the patient. Sometimes you can modify or need to modify mm -hmm. things. Now what also I like to do at the same time is call a canthopexy, uh, and Dr. Glenn Jelks really kind of uh, taught this to us when he was a visiting professor. Um, and uh, what you do there is, is you, go, you have your upper lid incision, so you have an incision there. You have your lower lid incision, okay. And you take a suture from the, the lateral most part, the corner part, and you go ahead and you take a suture and you go from the top underneath the little skin bridge, you come out, then you take a bite of the little canthus uh, area there, and then you bring it back through the skin bridge, and then you go ahead and you adhere it to uh, the covering, the periosteum of uh, the bone uh, over, uh, over there. So, and that kind of goes ahead and brings it up uh, a little bit uh, and gives you a little bit more of a vector of support. So, because I'm kind of a, a pants and suspenders kind of guy, uh, and so I want to have as much support for that lateral uh, lid as I can. Right. And so that, I think, is... And really, that is a tricky surgery because really, if you really over helped. overdo that, you can yeah, so, cause issues, right? Yeah, and, and some... Um, yeah, so basically, again, you have to see how much tension you can put on it. Uh, some folks, really older folks, they really have a lot of lid laxity where you go ahead and you take the lid out and it just doesn't boing, come back. Right. You're 16-year-old, you, you pull the um, the lid back and it goes boom right next to the globe. Some older folks, you're kind of laying out there like, oh gosh. And so then you know you really got to tighten up those guys. Mm -hmm. um, so again, like anything else, you have to do the physical exam. Uh, best you can and see what might work for that patient. And then sometimes you have to test things while you're in the operating room and see what might work yeah. uh, for that patient. Yeah. And then postoperatively, uh, it's important too, because for us, if those folks really stick to ice and elevation and those sort of things, then they get uh, less uh, swelling, less bruising, uh, less pain, uh, and they get along the line, uh, down the line a lot faster. Well, you know, when we see folks that, um, kind of related to that, but when we see folks that we most would consider maybe overdone plastic surgery wise, sure. what, what do you think is the common cause of that? Well, obviously couple, the patient could okay, be the common cause. A couple of, yeah, that's multifactorial, right? And right. One, is, one is, is how much does a patient demands? And then there's some patients say, doc, I want every line out. And I'm like, oh my God, you're Sharpay. There's no chance, right? right. So yeah. uh, some, you know, guy came in with a picture uh, he was a kind of rock and roll guy. It looked like he, you know, with a picture, he looked like he walked out of a flock of seagulls, right? With the big swoop hair and all that stuff. He said, yeah, I want to look like I look back in, you know, 85. Well, me too, you know, but. Right. Um, yeah. That's tricky, right? Because you want, you want them to be happy, but at the same time, you know. But you have to have reasonable expectations. Now, right. I think that old photos are great because you can see structure. You can see, you know, where their jawline was or, or uh, that's great. But then again, you have to have. Uh, reasonable expectations and s the bones literally and figuratively can be really good. And then you're now we're kind of reupholstering the couch, if you will, and moving the soft tissue around the bony structures. Uh, and so that's where the challenge is now. Now, some folks uh, push the envelope uh, a, a little bit. And so some folks get, you know, kind of a little bit unnatural results knowing that, Hey, it's going to look a little weird right I'm now. I'm going to stop you. Hey, Jack. Um, Nigel's going to go nuts when he hears the typing. Oh, 
<laughs> Sorry. I'm just because I know I'm going to get that email. So, well, and we're almost done. So, go ahead. Okay. Um, so, we were talking about the blepharoplasty. Oh, repulsion the couch. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so basically, if people have really good uh, bony structures, it, then you're really kind of putting the soft tissue back. Uh, around uh, on top of the bony structure. And um, again, Professor Gil Gradinger said, hey, uh, Jeffrey, you want to hear the, um, the secret of, uh, of, of good plastic surgery and getting good results? I'm like, yeah, yeah, what's the secret? He said, 40 years of plastic surgery experience, and he was on the board of plastic surgery. <laughs> right. and everything. I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm a doctor. Yeah. I'm not sure. Tell me. He's like, uh, yeah, he says, operate on good-looking people. So I'm <laughs> well, like, oh, okay, yeah. that helps, right? That's, that's, uh, yeah. I do photography, as you know. That That's also... Wait, no kidding, right? So yeah, <laughs> Bo, yeah, Bo Derek walks in your office, exactly. right? Or Akela, just somebody like that, you know... You're you know, already uh, starting uh, off against right? Right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, please. So having said that, is, is then you... But the main, to your point is, is you don't want to, in my opinion, you don't want to overdo it. That's where guys get in trouble is this is, oh, let me go ahead and change her. You don't want to change her or him, for a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. You want to put things back where it used to be. And for me, the goal is for people to look freshened up. When they finally are kind of done that they're, that they're, People around me go, wow, you look great. I'll say, are you doing aerobics now? Are you doing polyp? Right. What are you doing? Yeah, that's a so, good place to be, right? Right. Exactly. And yeah. uh, and so yeah, you don't want to walk in and go, oh my god, what happened? Mm. So that, that that's not the reaction that you that you that you really kind of want. <laughs> yeah, we we see that in Vegas sometimes. Yeah, and again, some not some, only in Vegas, but... everywhere, but especially well, Las Vegas is unique because again, a lot of the red carpet folks in LA here, in New York, uh, and Las Vegas, that's part of their currency uh, right. as well, and so they take it seriously. I mean, they're always going to the gym. They're taking care of themselves for the most part, et cetera. And they rely on guys on like me. And I always tell them, you just do little things along the way. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go for the big blue plate special, okay, or whatever. Because right. usually, to your point, blepharoplasty is usually uh, 40s and 50s, facelifts 50s and 60s. Uh, and then, But some guys keep going back to the well. And yeah, we've, we've seen some celebrities that they don't, look, they don't look like. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So when you're on your fourth facelift, you know, that, that might be pushing it a little. But again, right. it depends on the extent, et cetera, et cetera. So, so again, natural results are, in my mind, always the goal freshening people up so they look like them, but just a better variety of them. Because cause time's going to win, right? So time can, keeps going on, and then plastic surgery, we cheat it a little bit. And then time marches on, and then we cheat it a little bit. So, But you're going to look better at the end uh, than you did if you otherwise hadn't come to the plastic insurance office. And, and there's a lot of really good-looking gals out there that have had little things along the line. Again, you know, you're uh, again, your Bo Derek, your Sophia Lorenz, your Lot Raquel Welch's, your Christy Brinkley, she's ridiculous. Right. Uh, there's uh, your uh, Kathy uh, Allen. Kathy, uh, Kathy <laughs> Allen is super ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Holly Berry's. You have all these folks that have had surgeries along along the way, uh, and they're great, and they're and they're doing their thing, and. Um, you know, more power to them. Right. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, ultimately, yeah, the, the goal is to look refreshed. And um, and I know we have, I have some friends that you've done that for. You did the partial flat um, uh, facelift and looked amazing. And again, she didn't look overdone. She just looked, yeah. you know, I won't like, say her name because she'll yeah. be mad at me. Like, but... like, Herba fre- <laughs> like Herba freshened up. Yes. Yeah. And that's the goal. That, you know, that's absolutely the goal. Yeah, that's awesome. How can people find you online? Oh, sure. We're all over. So uh, the cornerstone, uh, of course, is the website, which is uh, www.jjrothmd.com. That's jjrothmd.com. Uh, and then also, uh, we are all over on social media, uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, YouTube, um, all of that stuff. All the usual. All the usual <laughs> suspects. And we do look at the stuff. So, yeah, so do we monitor it. 
uh, best we can. And uh, so if you have a question or that you want us to cover or any concern that you want to uh, ask us, do call the office. We still answer the phone with a human being. And awesome. we And we love questions. And so one is we love answering questions people may have. Uh, and then two, we like educating as well. And and I say this to my patients all the time. I, I'd rather spend 20 minutes with you in my office than you spend 20 hours on the internet. Right. And, and we do have several um, videos we should mention on your Instagram page talking about facelifts, talking about um, injectables, a lot of different topics. Sure. So they're welcome to check that out. Um, they're all up there. And we're actually always doing more of those. Yep. So yeah, so we're constantly going ahead and trying to update. And if there's new information, we want, we want to go ahead and get that out too. So uh, again, if you have questions and concerns, contact us by uh, any means necessary. Uh, and then we'll try to get that good information out to you. Awesome. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Um, please check out uh, the information, social media, websites, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Sounds fantastic. You guys have a great day. Thank you so much for joining us. For further information, please visit the podcast website link for Dr. Jeffrey Roth. See you next time.